Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Everybody and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there on her drum and box, I know, right? Nikki Kinzer. Can you hear that? <laughs> yes, it's, it's breaking my brain. <laughs> I know, especially because you're sick, and that yeah, does not right, help. <laughs> right? Go easy on me, please. I know. Uh, you know what we are talking about today? We're talking about building structures around new habits. It's going to be a good conversation. And I, oh man, this is just hitting me at just the right time. But first, you need to head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list right there on the homepage. Get an email with the latest episode each week. And don't forget, if you're using Apple Podcasts, for example, as your podcast app, Apple Podcasts actually makes it much easier now to, to go in there right on your phone or your tablet. And uh, and uh, give us a five star review. That would be that would be really helpful. It helps other people discover the show. If you're using other podcast app like Overcast, I know you're out there, Overcast users, because I see you in our analytics. Uh, go ahead and share the show. Uh, share the show on Twitter if you're connected there. Recommend the show through Overcast. Any of these sorts of of methods to recommend or share the show really helps us out, and we certainly appreciate it. Of course, you can contact us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD and call us. Leave us a voicemail at 503-664-4ADD. Get your voice and your thoughts on this very show. I even sound, I'm hearing myself in my headphones. I don't sound like me, do I? You sound a little off. I do. I sound <laughs> yeah. a little bit, yeah. a little bit lower. You're not. You're not so much Casey Kasem. I'm. <laughs> well, I'm recovering. That's the good news. I'm on the up end of this ridiculousness. Not and I'm the, the one that's usually sick. So I'm I sorry. Know, right? No, oh, that's all right. No that's good. Right. No good. So tell us what we're talking about today. We have some follow-up first. Yes, we have some follow-up. I was talking to a client this week about our last show, um, which was on positive energy. And she was sharing something with me that worked for her. And I thought, and I asked her, I said, can I share this on the show? Because I think this is a um, a great reminder and something that we didn't actually talk about last week. Um, one of the things that she did, because she was in a job that was difficult and she had somewhat of a difficult negative boss. Oh. Right. And that's, that's hard when you're around negative people, especially when they're your boss, that's even more difficult. Um, so one of the ways that she coped is she would read that book called don't sweat the small stuff. Remember that book? Oh, I do. Yeah. That was, uh, that was some time ago. It was, and it was kind of a big book back then. I mean, I think that I don't think there were a lot of self-help affirmation type of books back then. So this was kind of a big deal. And so what she would do is she would take 
um, a passage out of that book. And that's what she would focus on during the day. So she would just kind of work on one little thing, right? And it's been a while since I've looked at that book. So I I can't really give you specifics because I don't have it in front of me, but you can kind of get the point. Um, And what happened with her is she said it wasn't overnight. I mean, this was not like an immediate thing where all of a sudden she just felt better about her environment. But she said over time and practicing this every day, it really did start making her feel better. And she ended up leaving the job um, in a much healthier state of mind. And she was also even able to kind of put some boundaries um, around that relationship with her boss and, and such. So my point is, I think that it's really important for people to also look for affirmations and things that they can really hone in on, you know, to kind of work on through the day that, that creates that positive energy. Um, so I wanted to share that with people because we didn't talk about affirmations. No, week. we didn't. And and this book is great. The full title, in case you're looking for it, it's by uh, Richard Carlson. It was released in 1996. Wow. It's mm-hmm. called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff and It's All Small Stuff. Simple it ways is. to keep the little things from taking over your life. Yeah, uh, good stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. You know, it. I this week in my in my illness, I have been reading too. Would you, you like have. to know? It, it actually yes. relates. Oh, this tell. is such a good book. First of all, I dove into the podcast Cortex. Cortex is a, it's kind of a nerd show with a, a YouTuber, CGP Gray and, and podcaster Mike Hurley. Um, it's a, it's a good show if you're, if you're into talking about the way, uh, you know, you can use uh, technology to kind of provide gates into and out uh, for the signals of your life, you know, and, and, and really kind of frame your life and your ideal schedule. It's really great. But, but CGP Gray recommends this book, Essentialism, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And I devoured this book. I sort of fell in love with it. There are some problems with it, as there are with all of these sorts of, of books. These, uh, But I uh, really love the message. And as such, I have been working so hard on redefining my ideal schedule down to the minute. Oh, wow. Like it work is- schedule or just like every... All schedules that you have? Uh, it, my well, see, because there is, there is. I really see it as there, there's one schedule. I have a schedule, right? And and mm-hmm. it's everything needs to fit in there. So I went in with, I, I went into my calendar on on the computer, and I just I created a new calendar, right? That has nothing else on it, and it's called Balance, and it's yellow. And on this calendar, I put in ideally every day what time do I go to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And I put that in on the calendar, and then the next day, what time do I wake up? Right. And I, I actually put sleep on the calendar. And this is this was a recommendation from Gray uh, that I it just in terms of planning has really helped me. So I, I put sleep on the calendar. What time do I go to bed? What time do I wake up? And then what do I do first when I wake up? It's usually family time. Right. It's it's helping the kids get to school. It's helping, you know, pack lunches. It's doing all those sorts of things. So I put family on the calendar until, you know, 830 or so. And then I put, uh, um, you know, I put uh, personal or projects on there. And that may Maybe time for to to stop and meditate for a half hour or to you know, and I put that on every day, and then I put work and work I put on from ten to two, mm-hmm. and that seems like not a very long time for work every day, right? When we're accustomed to these eight hour days, right? But this is very much part of this concept of courageous contraction, which is you know I usually spend ten hours a day just 
kind of working away on things as they come across my desk, spend a lot of time in and out of email, spend a lot of time doing things that that may or may not be necessarily billable for me. And I recognize I'm in a unique position of not having an eight to five job that I go to every day. I work out of my house and I work for clients. And so I have a little bit more flexibility there. But But what I realize is I spend way too much time not sprinting through actual productive work And what I end up doing when I work in a sprint every day is I say, this time is dedicated to productivity and work that is billable. And outside of that, I'm going to give myself permission not to think about clients or work and actually get the things that I need to get done for me. And that may include invoicing. That may include producing podcasts that are not for clients. That may include, you know, it may include things that help me grow my business and do that every single day, all the way down through family time, dinner. Uh, I'm, I'm putting all of this in this yellow balance calendar, and it has been magnificent. It has been really, it's changed the way I think about my time. So h- how is that? Is it because you're, you're looking at the calendar and it's just reminding you that this is the intention that you've set aside for, for these events or these uh, categories? One, one thing, it is... Uh, it, it's, it's all around shame, right? It, it, it is all about this idea that I, if I am just leaving my days completely open, like a normal quote work day, when I'm doing something like invoicing, I'm usually feeling shame that I'm not doing something for a client and that's not healthy for me. That's oh, not I good see. for me. Right. So now I'm saying if I'm in that 10 to two period, I am, I know that I'm this is working. what I'm supposed yes, to do. This is what I am I'm intending to do. This is what I'm doing. I'm gating off everything else. And the liberation, the freedom that I feel at the end of that workday gives me even more energy to move forward and to uh, and to to be more productive with the with the things like with the, the writing and the the other things that I'm doing to to grow myself and uh, and, and work so on my own it- projects. Does it also work with the the family time? Because I yes. think that more I, I'm just going to take a stab here, but I'm thinking that more people feel shame about relaxing and spending time doing personal things than work related things because they feel like you know I can't relax because I need to do this and this and this. That's absolutely true, and that that I have seen already play out. When I wake up in the morning, I know because I have that balance calendar all written up. That the first thing I do in the morning is is be dedicated, is serve the role of being dedicated to my family, of helping them start their days well, mm-hmm. and not. And it, this is in contrast to even just a week ago when I would wake up and constantly feel rushed to get them out the door, to make lunches, to have them hush, hush, hush. We got to get in the car. We got to fight traffic. We got to do this because always in the back of my head was that feeling of shame that in the end I'm going to be. I need to hurry so that I can get to work. Right. And now I've just reframed what that time is. And that right. time is uh, it's a period of gentleness. It's a period of approaching approaching the world for those couple of hours in the morning of of helpfulness and of grace. Mind, you're being mindful. I and mean, being very really mindful. mindful. Yeah. And that, that time. I have had to I, I found that it has been so helpful to have this balance calendar up and for me to learn not just what I need to say yes to, but what I need to say no to. Yeah. And, and that's really what essentialism is all about is is this idea of saying, you know, I know that I can't do everything. I know that once I look at that balance calendar, the new things that come into my life are going to have to be weighed against the things that I need to give up. And um, and, and so one of the you know one of the messages that that uh, the author Greg McCune uh, says in the book is um, 
you know, if I, if I say, uh, you know, if I, if I'm looking at a project that I'm working on right now, um, and, and I think, gosh, this project is kind of a pain and I don't really want to do it. I don't really like the client. It's, it's kind of frustrating. And I think to myself in the context of if I didn't have this client, to what lengths would I go through to get this client? And if the, if the answer is probably not very far, like I would probably let some other consultant take this on or some other service provider take this on, then maybe it's not a good fit for me. And that's the idea of contagious contract or, or courageous contraction, being able to see what in my life is not a good fit and being able to move on from it. In many respects, it goes back to some of our very earliest organizing conversations. You know, when you talk about what are the things in your life that you, you don't need, that you don't use, that you don't love, mm-hmm. and, and what would you do to get that thing if you found you suddenly didn't have it? Um, and, and asking yourself that question, not just about the things in your life, but about the, the activities, about the people that you bring into your life. Um, there's a whole episode I'm sure we could do on this idea of sunk cost bias. You know, well, how, and just the balance that you're talking about yeah. too. I'm thinking this is another show. Well, <laughs> the yeah, making. it's a book. It's another book show. I think you should well, you should check is. this book out because I yeah. I'd be interested in your talk your take on it, and we could uh, we could do a little book review show yeah. on it. We've we've done that before. It might be worth I think worth it would talking be. about because it also reminds me a little bit of what uh, Kirsten Milliken was talking about on our fun episode is to to plan to plan fun first, like mm-hmm. you know look at your calendar and make sure that you you plan that fun first. And that's yeah. what you're doing too, is you're making time for that. Um, it's good made stuff. Me, it's made me much more I'll excited about the work time too. You know, that 10 to 2, I find myself getting excited about it. Like, okay, my day's starting now. I know I'm in a race, It's it's, but it's a yeah. good race. It's a healthy well, race. Well, and it's intentional work yeah. too. I think that that's the, that's the uh, biggest, one of the biggest complaints I hear from myself too, is that floaty, you know, I'm floating. Like I have this time, but I'm not really sure what to do and you know, at the end of the four hours, I don't feel like I did anything, but you're right. really going into it with intention. And this, these are the things I'm working on. And then at two o'clock it's done. And absolutely, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I'll check it out. Maybe we'll uh, do a future show on it. I will put a link in the show notes. I read your write up. And the whole reason I brought up essentialism is because I feel like it really fits into this idea around building structure around new habits. I think right. it's, it's a great sort of lead into this conversation. Where would you like to start? Well, I wanted to actually bring attention back to habits because I know a couple of weeks ago we did a book kind of show, right, around many habits, bigger results by Stephen Guise. And I love the idea of starting really small. Um, so if you haven't listened to that show, I highly recommend it. So Pete, put those in the show notes again too. Show notes it is. <laughs> That's right. Um, I think it's a great show and um, it's really the place to start is we want to, we want to start small. There's no doubt about it. Um, But there's this big issue that I see from people that they really are trying to do too much too soon. And so what I want to talk about today is how to build structures around just the small habit that you've chosen. Um, And when I say structures, I mean reminders. That's what I'm talking about is reminders. And, you know, these structures or reminders, however you want to wordplay that, um, become a really important piece uh, of success with somebody who who lives with ADHD because people with ADHD, as you know, Pete, sometimes have challenges with working memory. I don't know what you're talking about. What? Right. Huh? Who are you? (laughs) What did you ask me to do? (laughs) Those those executive functions, that working memory isn't always functional. (laughs) 
Isn't that funny? Executive functions aren't functional, right? Got that? Yes. Allow my, please allow my life to serve as a warning to others. <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, you also know that this is not intentional. You know, you're not right. choosing to forget. It's just something that happens. It's easy to get distracted. You're focusing on your work from 10 to 2, you know, whatever it is that right. you're focused on. It, it sometimes that small habit can get forgotten. Um, so we have to be reminded. And, you know, before we actually go into what these possible structures could be, there's something I kind of want to bring up because this was brought to my attention. And I think it's important. A level of acceptance. And it kind of goes back to this shame conversation that we had at the beginning um, of the show is that I think that in order for structures to work or to be really open to them, we need to be able to really accept them and accept the fact that we do need help um, and believe that the structures are positive things and that we're doing for ourselves and not negative. Because I think that a lot of people feel like they shouldn't have to use an alarm. They shouldn't have to have a reminder or a structure put in place, right? Because right. there's these feelings of shame that come up that, you know, something's wrong with me. Like everybody else seems to remember, why can't I? Right. Um, and something that I'll say to people, and I think this is really true, is you would never fault me for wearing my glasses to see better. Um, so how, you know, putting structures in place for you or setting up some kind of accommodation for the way that your brain operates, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I also find, just to, uh, just to tag onto this, I think we make assumptions that other people are much more in control of their lives than we are. And oh, that is for sure. largely false. Right. We don't know and, and we can't operate on assumption that causes us shame because we think that we shouldn't have to use alarms because other, surely other people don't. When right. frankly, other people who really have it together likely use some sort of an accommodation like this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's very good. I mean, that the perception that we have or the perception that we think people have of us is usually not right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. 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 Uh, so if this is something that you're resonating with and you're like, yep, yep, that's me. I understand what you're saying. Um, you know, I would really encourage you to to challenge that belief system and, you know, think about how is that serving you right now? Because it's probably not, right? Because you're probably not putting the structure in place because you think that you don't need it. Um, but instead of, of, of feeling shame around it, trying to get to a place of acceptance around it and mm -hmm. not judgment, like let's just take the judgment out, accept it for what it is. Um, and you know, the reality is you really shouldn't have to remember on your own. Right. I mean, right. the more you can understand how your brain is wired and that this just doesn't happen, then you can really understand, you know, what needs to happen to remember. And that's these, um, these little reminders because you can get the same results as anyone else. You just have to, you just have to get them a different way. And right. I guess, you know, one of those detours to speak are these little reminders that we place for ourselves. And ultimately, we want to get to the, to the place that these structures, you know, are set up in a way that you actually trust them. Yes. Wouldn't that be nice? I wonder. You know, to not second guess everything that you're doing or feel like you're kind of in that panic because you actually trust 
the system or the structure that you put yeah, in place. Right. Nice. And, right? and I think I think so much of that, you know, part of the shame that comes with it is that we feel like people will notice our alarms. And so much of the work around these structures comes in not choosing whether or not to have a system in place, but figuring out how to create a system that's that is absolutely trustworthy for you, but largely invisible to others. Right. So and that, I'll talk about that a little bit. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are ways you can do that, sure. <laughs> believe it or not. So the first structure that I'm going to talk about, and this is not going to be any surprise to anybody, it, it's the go-to reminder is that alarm, right? I mean, how yeah. many, you know, it, I'm sure everybody listening has used an alarm at some point in their life, um, whether it's on their iPhone or a timer or whatever. And these can definitely work. Um, you know, I think that they work really well on specific things, like especially if you have to, you know, pick up your kids at a certain time every day, having an alarm that goes off 10 minutes before you have to do that is going to work for you. Um, if you have to take medication at a certain time during the day, you know, having a reminder go off can definitely help as long as you are setting the reminders at the right time because it's not going to help you if you are not in a position or a place where you can take that medication, right? Right, So you got to kind of think it through a little bit and be pretty mindful of when you set the alarm. Um, Another helpful thing, and we've talked about this in the past too, is to keep your alarms interesting so that they don't just become noise, that you actually set them at different tones, you know, just so that it grabs your attention. So instead of the doorbell tone, it becomes something else, you Mm -hmm. know, in a month or whatever. But you know, what I really a, can I can I have a, I have a technical thing that's really fun. Yeah. For an alarm. So sure. one of the things that I use on my phone is my is my, you know, the iPhone's vibrating alarm and I love it so much and there's an accessibility option where you can go in and you can tap out different rhythms. So you can actually program it to vibrate at unique uh patterns. Does oh, that make interesting. Sense? So I can go in on the screen and I can tap out, you know, so it's the Superman theme, right? Right. That can be an alarm for something that is unique that I feel that's totally silent, but I might feel it in my hand or in my pocket that tells me to do something different than uh, a different theme that I might tap out. So you can actually okay. you can actually use vibrations. That's a fantastic way to do it. So that's and it. it's kind of a hidden way. It is of totally doing hidden. it. Yeah, that's right. All right. So we know that alarms can work, but one of the things that I want to talk about and highlight here is when they don't work because they don't always work, Uh, right? And so what I want people to be aware of or to think about is if you keep setting an alarm for something to remind you to do something and you're not doing it, then, you know, maybe we need to think of a different way of of reminding you because I think people get in the habit of just continuing trying to make that work and they can't, it just doesn't work for them. And I've seen it a couple of times with clients where, you know, one particular situation, um, setting an alarm didn't make sense because he didn't leave the, the, he didn't leave his work environment at the same time every day. So he could put an alarm at five o'clock, but it doesn't mean that he would pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and the same thing I think happens with some of my college students too, is that they, they get, they, they set it to remind them to do something, but then they still don't necessarily follow through with it. So if that's the situation, I would just consider some other options, which we're going to talk about, but, um, you know, being aware of, of when they work and when they don't. Right. Right. Um, so the visual reminders are also really effective, I think, when you're not using an alarm. And one of the things that I will uh, help set up with clients is checklists, like different checklists that they want to have, either for like morning routines, evening routines, things like that. Um, you see this a lot with children, you know, who are trying to um, 
do chores and things like that. But that, that physical checklist can be really helpful if you have it in a visible spot where you can pick it up, check it off, you know what your steps are. And it's just always that visual reminder that this is the habit that you're doing or whatever. Um, so that's one way sticky notes. I mean, old fashioned sticky notes, (laughs) I think are great. And I think at home, you probably have less, um, embarrassment around it if you need to put your sticky notes in different spots. And you can certainly put whatever it is, the habit, like if you're trying to do a push-up, you know, going back to our yeah. show a couple Tiny of habits. weeks ago. Yeah. Right. If you're trying to do your one push-up and you put one push-up on the sticky note and you have it in your bathroom mirror and you have it on your back door. And and these things don't have to stay there forever. I think that that's what people have to remember is that these are just when you're forming the habit. You know, when mm-hmm. you're trying to, to get into the habit of doing this habit, how many times can I say habit, yeah, habit, right. habit, habit? Well, and habits are the point of habits, right? <laughs> That's I right. Mean, it's only a habit once you don't have to be reminded. Once to do you it. don't have to remind it. Yeah. So these things don't have to last forever, but, um, a way to do this a little more secretive is you could just have a sticky note, like in your work environment that doesn't have anything on it, but it's colored. So it's like a purple sticky note and you have it on your, you know, your, uh, computer, whatever that is, mm-hmm. your computer, mm-hmm. <laughs> not your keyboard, but like the desktop thing. Right. Right. Technical term. You know, know, monitor. Yeah. Monitor. Yeah. There you go. Whatever. Thank you. I mean, you can pick your own word. Words I'm, are words. I'm pointing at it right now, but <laughs> nobody can see me pointing at it. <laughs> but you could put a colored sticky note and no one is going to know what that means but you. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so that's you encode that. it in your head. You just, it's coded. Purple right. means. This. Right. Yeah. Um, another idea is to kind of work around some kind of physical object or cue of some sort. And it's kind of like the sticky note idea, but I've got a couple of specific um, examples here. My daughter kept it got in this habit of forgetting her homework and she was getting really upset about it. And so one of the ideas that we came up with for her to remember is to put a special keychain on her backpack. So when she packed up her backpack in the afternoon, her cue was to see this keychain, and that was for her to remember that she needed to go get her homework. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of just, you know, associating same thing as the sticky note, like we just talked about, um, but putting it on something that, you know, she would normally be doing every day anyway. You know, we have, we have a similar uh, mnemonic for my son where we, you know, but we use scents. Like oh, smells, good idea. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we got a little pillbox, one of those AM, PM pillboxes, and put a piece of cotton in each side. And one of them is the focus scent. Like when he's about to sit down to do his homework, he opens up that pillbox and it's, we've associated that with, I, I don't remember what it was, lavender or mint or something. So that when he is finding he's really struggling to kind of connect with what he's doing, he opens up the PM pillbox and he takes a big whiff right through his nose. And that smell reminds him of what, of, of the experience of working hard oh that's a great idea right as long as you encode that at the right time so that you know he's when he's working hard we have the smell of lavender around and then the next time he wants to work hard when he smells lavender he's put back in that mindset and it ends up working really well it's like weird voodoo it's fantastic oh that's a great idea that really yeah i like that thank you for sharing that well you're welcome i love to serve The other uh, idea or um, example I have is I had a client who wanted to get into the habit of shutting down um, their email at night so that when they first um, 
got in in the morning, it wasn't the email that they saw first, right? So that was kind of the habit they were trying to get into. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the way that we, or what we came up with was putting decorated tape on his pen case, um, which is where his LifeScribe pen lived. And that was something that he did every night. So he knew for sure that he would always put his pen in his pen case. And so that decorated tape on the pen case then would be that reminder of, I got to shut down email first. Like I'd need to make sure I shut it down. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. It's these little things that, you know, it's just those visual cues. Um, And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the habit show about connecting the habit to something you're already doing. Because remember you asked me that trick question and I answered it right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) To connect the habit. Um, And so both of these examples above are connecting you know, the visual cue was something that they're already doing, but I have another example. I'm just full of examples today. (laughs) So I was working, I was working with a a student who was having some challenges with planning her weekends as as far as what she needed to study for over the weekend. And um, what was happening is she was looking at Monday, but she wasn't looking at anything farther. So if she didn't have anything due on Monday, then she kind of felt like, okay, weekend was free. Um, but then Tuesday would come and, or Monday would come and then she would look at Tuesday and she'd panic because all the stuff was due on Tuesday. You can imagine how that can happen. Uh, I right? can. Yes. And, um, so what we ended up working with was figuring out, okay, when is, when is your last class on Friday? And her last class on Friday, um, ended at four thirty-five or four thirty. So what we did is we set, um, an alarm for her at four thirty-five on Fridays, five minutes after her class was over. Um, and she would hear the alarm and then that would be the time that she would do a quick review of her following week. And then she could kind of plan out the weekend with a checklist. So she's actually doing a combination of things. She's using the alarm and she's checking her calendar and she's tying it into something she's already doing every Friday. Um, and then she's, you know, putting a checklist together of her to-do list of the things that she needed to do. So there's ways to actually also put all of these ideas together. Well, and what I love so much about that is that, again, it comes in the form of a sprint. Right. You right. sit down with intentional time to plan. And it, and as a result, it never takes as long as you think it's going to. And the feeling of resolve that you have when you are finished with it is absolutely liberating. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. We try to do this at home, too. As soon as my kids come home from school on Friday, we put our, our on the whiteboard, we put our, you know, Friday evening, Saturday, Sunday schedule, you know, big blanks up on the whiteboard. And the kids have to sit down Friday evening and put their schedule for the weekend on that board. Even if they have nothing that they're going to try and accomplish Friday evening, it's been a long day at school, you know, they're trying to trying to relax a little bit. Um, still, the act of putting when they're going to do their homework throughout Saturday or Sunday, when they're going to work on those projects, when they're going to go to their Kung Fu classes, whatever, is really liberating for our Friday evening movie night. We can go into casual time completely free. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You have great ideas, Pete, right? Chock full of them. (laughs) Chock Chock full. full. So I have one last thing that I want to talk about, and that's accountability partners, because we've talked about accountability before. And I definitely feel like accountability partners uh, can, they do definitely, how do I say this? They have a role in starting new habits, right? So I think um, like with my own personal situation as an ADHD coach, I will often text my clients and ask them, you know, how are things going? You know, are what's your 
what am I trying to say? Let me read you that. Okay. And muffled. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk about is accountability partners and the role that they play in building habits. Uh, I think that at the beginning, it's a really important role because they can definitely help you be reminded and kind of just stay focused on whatever it is that that habit is that you're trying to to do that week. Uh, what I want people to shy away from is not having this be their only reminder or their own, kind of like their only solution, because when you're relying on other people, it's not going to be very consistent. Um, and that's even as an ADHD coach, right? Cause yeah. I do a lot of accountability stuff with, with clients and I will text and say, Hey, how's it going? And, um, you know, don't forget to do this, but it's not consistent or reliable to, to expect that, you know, long term. So I think it's really great at the beginning, but definitely use some of these other ideas, um, it sort of ends you up know. building the wrong habit, doesn't it? It ends up building the habit that if you if you don't have some sort of a mechanism for transitioning out out of an accountability partner, then that means you come to expect that you'll always have an accountability partner and that and, you won't be able yeah. to get anything done if you don't. Right. And, and it's interesting because even if you're using a family member that you live with as an accountability partner, they're still not going to be consistent. Right. right. I mean, have other stuff to do too. Right. And they might forget. Um, or, you know, they just may not want to do it. Like I can just see my husband being like, are you crazy? I'm not going to tell you, you need to exercise every day. You're going to kill me. Yeah. Right, like, right. <laughs> you know, so there's roles that, you know, you got to really think about. So accountability, I think is definitely important. And I think there's a place for it, especially at the beginning. Um, but definitely be thinking about other ways to, to instill some of these habits. I like it. I feel like we've been talking a long time. We have. We may have exhausted the topic. I know. What do you think? Are we good? I think we're good. I feel like we're good. This has been <laughs> yeah. really good, though, and I think it's. I think we have now. We've we've stumbled on ideas for more shows that spin off of this topic that are really useful. Certainly, I can tell you, useful for me. Uh, oh, so me thank too. you. This is a good one. Yes. Uh, again, check out the show notes for all the links for the books and the tools that we have talked about in this show. Uh, you can find them at TakeControlADHD.com uh, pod, slash podcast slash 246, episode 246. There you go. That's all we have, yeah. I think. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs>